0: Welcome to Behind the Lectern. Since 2006, your host, Jeff Klein, has been working with speakers at all levels from beginners to Toastmasters International Award winners, from experts to National Speaker Association Hall of Famers. In each episode, Jeff introduces you to some of these speakers as you learn about their speaker journey, how they got started, where they came from, where they're going, and more. Take the lessons they have learned on their way to help you with your own path to make speaking work for you. Let's get started.
1: Welcome, everybody. Jeff Klein here for another episode of Behind the Lecture. I'm thrilled to have Pamela Cowan here with me today. Pamela has an interesting speaker journey you'll have fun hearing about, learning about. And we're just kind of off to the races we met through Potapalooza or through Speaker Call, Speakers Playhouse, rather. Speakers Playhouse. Speakers Playhouse. Okay. Which Potapalooza was sprung off from that. So <laughs> I don't know. Did you participate in Potapalooza at all?
2: No, no, I didn't. I plan on being on the next one though.
1: It was a pretty, pretty great event for those of you listening. Woods, well, Potapalooza was a one-day opportunity for people to be guests on multiple podcasts and for podcasters to get multiple guests, multiple shows recorded in the same day and for people to learn about podcasting. So we had a general room where there were speakers. We had 20 or 25 podcasters who were recording shows throughout the day. And so you would go from a general session to, oh, I'm on at 1030 with so-and-so or 1130 with so and so and some people did one or two interviews i did four and i had appointments made appointments for two more after the fact so and even though i have this podcast in the next spot of palooza i will again be there to be a guest on multiple shows i don't i have not in need of finding guests to put on the show because i keep meeting wonderful people like you through speakers playhouse and we have new people coming to Speaker Co-op every week, and most of them are going to be on the podcast as well. So I'm recording two a week now. Um, cool. I did three last week, but trying to stick with two a week. And then we'll be releasing one a week, so that way I've got a, a library. Mm-hmm. And if I have to skip a week recording, then it's all okay. Are you doing a
2: podcast? Not yet. I'm in the process of, I keep coming across people and I know what I'm envisioning for it is in the area of having people tell their resilience story. Yeah. Yeah. The stories of the experiences that they've gone through that have had them grow and to build resilience. I put the emphasis on build resilience because it's not something that you just snap your finger and you're resilient. I find it's one of those things that you kind of have to go through the experience and actually much the same as building your house you actually have to put in the work to build your house, same thing with resilience
1: Makes sense Now your background's in uh, health and wellness or is it health and safety?
2: Health and safety but with the also with the emphasis on the psychological safety Okay. I've just recently finished off some training in the area of the brain and the mind sciences so I'm adding that into the repertoire as well wow. and bringing the brain into business and into life.
1: So that was your job once upon a time in corporate yes. was yes. health and all that stuff.
2: Health and safety, sure. yes, too. Yeah. Okay. So basically, make sure that you go home with all your fingers and toes.
1: Right. <laughs> you know, there, there's got to be a joke there about health and safety in Canada versus health and safety in the U.S. I don't know. Uh, okay. I don't know what it is, but it seems like there should be one. So how did, where, when did speaking show up for you as a way to?
2: About two years ago. Okay. Yeah. I had, they eliminated my position, but that was okay. That's always I, nice. Yeah, it is. And I felt as though I was actually walking through the hall saying, I know I'm meant to contribute to something so much more than what I'm contributing here. So is there a way? How do I get out of here? What's the right door, the right window? Do I have to tunnel through the fire separation? Yeah. (laughs) And the next day I was thinking along the same lines on my little hallway walk. And I was like, well, maybe I should just ask them to lay me off for the summer. You know, I was working in education at the time, and all the teachers were going to be on their vacation. And so it's like, well, you know, I don't have too many summer projects lined up. Maybe they could lay me off and I could get something going and see where I'm at at the end of this summer and whether or not I come back. Right. And so, but. There was some divine intervention in it, in that I went into my boss's office and said I was going to do something in this particular way. I don't think that matters, he says. We have a meeting with HR. And I'm like, what did I do now? Yeah. (laughs) And sure enough, we walk into that office and he says, reads off the script, right? That we decided to eliminate your position and we appreciate your dedicated 10 years of service to us and this in a way reflects your performance and your dedication and and he got up and he walked out and i turned white when you're praying for something and all of a sudden you get your answer you Oops. get it <laughs> right quick you know wow. <laughs> sometimes it is a shock and i was at home trying to figure out well what am i what's my next move
1: yeah what do i do when i grow up or yeah whatever? and
2: i went to i caught this summit Never even been to a summit. Didn't even know what a summit was. Yeah. That was done by Kimberly Crow. Yeah. Her entrepreneur's rocket fuel. And she was going on and talking about how don't wait. Don't wait to start speaking and sharing your gifts with people until you have the right cell phone and you have the right haircut. Like, don't wait. I'm just like, okay. And she says, yes, and the next event is this event. And it starts on Friday. I'm like, okay, I guess I have to go to the next event on Friday. (laughs) And so that just started the journey as far as in that association. That's
3: great.
2: Yeah, and I actually, about six months ago, actually spoke at her summit. And that was such an honor to be a part of the Women in Business
3: yeah, I spoke there as well,
2: yeah. Yeah, there was 5,000 people that registered for that. And then the media got a hold of it.
1: Was that the one-day one, or was that the one yeah, with... No, yeah. it was the
2: one-day one. Day one. The one
1: be- okay, yeah, I was on the that one as well. media got a hold
2: yeah. of it. And we were told that the media got a hold of it. And here's the Google page that you Google. And there were more than 10 Google pages of different media that were basically reporting on this. And I ended up getting that huge knot in my stomach of, um, I didn't think I'd be talking in front of all these people, but I did it. So
3: nice.
1: And you got some clients from it.
2: Mm -hmm. Yep.
1: Which is the whole point,
3: right?
2: Yep. Yeah, exactly. And, but more than anything, it was the experience
3: Mm -hmm.
2: of, just getting out there and speaking even though you've got that knot in your stomach of like there was a time when I was first speaking because I was I worked in corporate training and they'd want me to talk in front of all these different people within the organization and I made a a prompt I made it a policy never eat before you speak right (laughs) because that knot in your stomach. You don't yeah. want to have that
1: you're feeding in anything, right? Okay, okay. Yeah, that was your nervous energy.
2: That's right. Way to
1: deal with that. Okay, very yep. cool. Yeah, yeah. that's important. Yeah, and I always ask people when I'm hosting a speaker: Do you eat before or after you speak? Because some people eat before, and some mm-hmm. people like you eat after. And we always make sure we keep them a, a hot meal if they're eating after.
3: Because
1: mm-hmm. um, there's nothing worse than getting done with a great speech. And sitting down to cold food. No,
3: no, exactly.
1: <laughs> That's supposed to be hot, right?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. So had you been doing training and stuff with your corporate jobs and, and your education mm-hmm. job? So yes. speaking wasn't new to you. The act no. of speaking wasn't new. No. But speaking right. about your own content was definitely a new thing.
2: Oh, yes. Yes, that was, and especially being that, what I was having to come up with before, I kind of knew my audience. So I kind of knew what did I need to talk about? Yeah. Then when the the world, so to speak, becomes your audience, you're kind of like, what do I talk about?
3: Yeah, you
1: discover that you talk about something you know for people that you know you can help.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. You
1: know, exactly. You knew, you knew it was entrepreneurs because of the and women entrepreneurs, and you had stuff to talk to them about. What was it you uh, did for your first talk?
2: I talk about burnout.
1: Burnout? Okay.
2: And I still do talk about burnout because. Yeah,
1: I, I knew that. I was just checking in to see. So it.
2: prevalent in our world today. Oh, yeah. I think it has been for a while, but I think more than ever, we're more recognizing it now. Yeah, for yeah. sure.
3: Well, and yeah. I
1: think nowadays, it's not just, it's everything, every extreme now in 2022, people mm-hmm. are willing to go to the extreme. Yeah. And there's still people who aren't, but if it's, yeah. And people are talking about stuff more. hmm More places to talk about it. I find that that's definitely the case. So how many, so have you really only done a few or a handful relatively of talks About your
3: content.
2: Yeah, I started talking about it actually last summer. Okay. My first summit, I got there and yeah, there was like two people because they were having a challenge getting through the meetup door. Yeah. And so, but you know what? Hey, that's two people more than I have to practice with every day.
3: There you go. So...
2: It's just one more opportunity to practice and share what you have.
3: Absolutely.
1: And yeah, obviously, when those people that they're not thinking of it as a rehearsal, no, because they're there for the content and you're there to deliver it. So you get to do some repetition, but it's not like it's not like coming to a preview of a play or something like that or a restaurant where they're still working out well, where they're working out the kinks, but people don't know. When you have a kink when you're speaking, well, most of the time they don't know, right? We don't, we're supposed to make sure they don't know that we had a hiccup. And that's something people who get nervous forget is the audience has no idea what you're going to say next.
2: Yeah, you're just like the duck floating on top of the water.
1: Yeah.
2: You're just floating there and paddling like mad underneath.
1: Whatever you do next though is right.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: You forget two pages of your content. You're the only one who knows.
2: Mm-hmm. One of the greatest skills to have, I find for speaking, is improv.
1: Nice. Yep.
2: Always accept the information.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, and have you actually taken a class on improv?
2: Yes, I have. Yeah. Yes, I have, and and I also did drama in school, and but I just I wanted to brush up on those skills. Sure. So I did it. I did an improv class. And, oh, and recently? I, yeah, just actually last summer. Very cool. Yeah, it was really, it was nice to refresh those skills again, mm-hmm. you know, where somebody's just, okay, here's your prop, now figure something out.
1: Was it at the university or was
2: it? No, it was at a, she teaches people to act and she represents them. Okay. And actually... Yeah, and also does a lot of productions herself. And way back in like 2007, I actually acted. I was an extra, yeah, because I thought that was my new fun thing to do, right? There you go.
1: It is fun. I I mean, my degree is in theater, and I worked in the movie business for 15, 20 years, so behind the camera. Yeah. And then only recently, I have started playing started doing some acting myself. So now, Mm -hmm. so the last five years or so, I've been in front of the camera half a dozen times for fun and gotten paid a little bit, but the Mm -hmm. idea is that I'm not taking it too seriously. So I'm hoping that the person who wants to come in the room is to be in the audience and that I hadn't double booked an appointment or something, because you never know. (laughs) Welcome Charlotte. Are you here to be in our live studio audience? Or did I miss a meeting?
3: I guess I will be quite a percentage
4: of it.
1: Yes. I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss an appointment. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, welcome. We just started talking about improv. So, Pamela, talk about some of the things that improv helped you with, like some specific
3: things.
2: Well, most specifically, well, I got a lot of practice with my husband when he had dementia. Oh, my. Yeah. You never knew what, what was gonna be the day <laughs> but where his mind would be. And so it became a real real fun game, actually, mm. of kind of improv as far as always accept what he says and just go from there.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry here dad, you had to go through that.
2: Well, actually it was actually a pleasure to look after him.
3: Oh, sure. I understand yeah. that. Yeah but it's a well it's a journey that's for sure
2: so that's why part of the audience that I'm wanting to serve with my burnout course is caregivers
1: that's wonderful that's such an underserved community of people
2: mm-hmm. yeah and having been a caregiver i feel that it's an opportunity for me to kind of share with them the minefield yeah yeah, nobody prepares you for it, but all too often, especially nowadays, it happens. You're not It's the one job that you don't apply for.
3: Oh, yes. Well, my
1: dad, of blessed memory, he worked with caregivers as part of his, at the end of his social work career, he worked with seniors and he mm-hmm. worked with nurses and staff at senior centers and things like that. Yeah. So, so the, the caregivers who did make a choice and some that, you know, again, some as we talked about that didn't. He told me that there was he had one pair of a mother daughter clients. One was eighty and one was a hundred, and they both in the same senior center together, and they took care of each other. And but uh, the caregiver thing is huge. Um, mm-hmm. We have an organization based here in Dallas called EduCare that has an annual symposium
2: for okay. caregiver.
1: It's a one day caregiver symposium,
3: specifically all about that.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, that's. Good, because when my husband was alive, they didn't have anything like that. Yeah. At least not local. Well, I yeah, will, but. and
1: on the networking note, I will introduce you to the folks who do that. So that okay,
2: so that, that'd be uh, good. that's
1: a potential speaking opportunity for you. Yeah.
2: yeah, that would be really good. Thank you.
1: You bet. Yeah. And Charlotte, feel free, if you have a question, feel free to hop in and, and ask your question.
2: No questions yet.
1: Okay. <laughs> We're still... Working out some of the getting used to having the the folks in the audience and all that, but I love being able to extend the conversation. So what kind of goals do you have for speaking as far as your business goes, Pamela?
2: Well, my goals are to have it that I'm speaking, both speak to sell and pay to speak. Okay. Okay. I'm wanting to be on both sides of the equation because I feel as though I have a lot of Experience in the area of business, and so um, there's events that are happening like thousands every day, and so my mission to bring the brain into business and into people's lives. Uh, they need to hear what I know. Yeah, and, I think and you're on the
1: right track with that strategy going both yeah. ways.
2: And yeah. as I talk to people about the brain and the mind sciences. A lot of times it's almost like they don't know really what to say because that's always been something that that's what scientists and real professional, like medical professionals, they know about the brain. That's for neuroscientists. And and yet I've worked with neuroscientists and professors who want everything they shared with me came right out of their lab and they want me to share it with the world.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. Yes. So I'm sure you know this, but there are, I'll put this out there for our listeners. There are all kinds of hospital and medical associations that have conferences that need topics like yours. And okay. some of them are broken up by size. So there's like a small hospital association. And I think there's a medium, whatever the, I don't know the exact numbers, but a medium hospital association you know, based on the size of the of the hospital. And I know here in Texas, there's a rural hospital association. Okay. And it may be that it's an association for rural hospital administrators, but there's all kinds of those kind of groups that have events, have conferences, of uh, whether they're virtual or in person, and uh-huh. they're hungry for the kind of content you're talking about. Yeah. There's uh, the visiting nurses association here in the states. I don't know if they're international or not, but I know that most associations have a. If there's an American version of it, there's a Canadian version as well. Yeah, that's so, right. And of course, hospice is a is bigger and bigger nowadays and expanding. I learned uh, a couple years ago that there were people who went into hospice temporarily, which I yeah, had yeah. no idea that that happened. <laughs> You think of end of life when you hear the term hospice.
2: Well, the thing is, that is temporary. And then you walk through well, the
1: door. But, I mean, there's hospice where you the patient comes in yeah. and leaves hospice alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I was surprised to learn about that. And there's all kinds of rehab facilities. And, yeah. And yeah. then, again, people like you that wind up having to take care of their life partner uh, or their family member. Yes. There's, again, more and more groups and conferences and websites and Facebook groups and all that for those folks. So tons of places for you to get in front of the audience and sell your coaching and then other opportunities where they're looking to pay a speaker to come and present. What? uh, Where are you at on your book on all of this?
2: Uh, Which book are you talking about? (laughs) The first one I'm working on and just finishing it is called the first gift of resilience nice then there's the business toolbox to build resilience the scientific toolbox to build resilience the spiritual toolbox to build resilience
3: very smart
2: Then the financial toolbox to build resilience because we live in a very physical world so I don't think that we can only just be dealing with what's inside of our minds. We need to establish resilience in our world. And so taking it from the mind and applying it into various aspects of our lives and the world that we live in is what each toolbox is designed to do.
3: Mm. Wow. That's powerful. Thank
2: you.
1: So share with us what a tip or two on how to be resilient, not just
2: talk about it. Okay, so when I first started this journey, I it was like before COVID even hit. It was mm-hmm. before I just had this feeling that there was a change that was coming, and I would go to to networking meetings and I would say, you know, I mean, I work in change management, and I'd be like, think of the storms that are coming. And there's big change, and we need to prepare for the change. But yet, did I know exactly what the change was going to be? No, no, never in my wildest imaginations would I have thought.
3: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Right. Yeah.
2: But the thing is, is that that one word called resilience stuck out for me. And a friend and I, we went to Jasper, which is not too far away from where I live. And when we went there, there is a stone. It's called. It's actually a fossil called amelite, and when I did some research on on amelite, amelite are very very resilient, in that they were creatures called amelite, and back in the prehistoric times, where I live was all covered in water, and they were almost like a snail creature, where they would have almost like a shell, and there were other Animals in the sea that would try to attack them. And so to keep themselves protected, they would actually burrow into their shell. That when you look at the shell, it looks very similar to your brain. Mm. Yeah. And the thing is, is that there's a lot of First Nations here who feel as though that this is a very sacred stone. It's only available here in Alberta. And so when I looked at resilience, though, it was like, okay, so I have resilience, and I have this fossil called amylite. And I kind of felt like it was like, okay, so what's the problem that this solves? So it was like that reverse, that mathematical question, the algebraic question of solve for X. We know what X is resilience. But what is the opposite of resilience? And it took me a good year. And I mean, I was doing market research with people thinking, well, yeah, it has something to do with purpose. And it has, I feel as though that I was getting little bits and pieces of the equation. And now I've been able to put together what I call the blueprint to build resilience. Mm. And what the problem is that resilience solves is burnout. And burnout can happen in a lot of different areas of our lives because of the things that are going on in our lives. So when we did a survey recently and 95% of the people thought that burnout was only because of poor work-life balance. Well, it's a lot more than that. Yeah. No. Sure. It's far more than that. You can be doing
1: everything right and still get burned out because you're doing too much or you're not in balance. Yeah.
2: Well, it's actually more than that. It's actually that there's a saying that I came across, a quote, that it's actually the accumulation of hundreds and thousands of tiny disappointments, each only noticeable on their own. The symptoms of it are firstly, you end up with health, like physical symptoms of chronic exhaustion, forgetfulness, impaired concentration, and yet chest pain, palpitations, shortness of breath, dizziness, fainting, and headache, anxiety, depression, and anger. Now, anger coming from where I come from, and corporately, Well, that's a recipe for workplace violence, right?
3: Yeah, sure, I I can see that.
2: As of the fact that there's unmet expectations. And like one story that I recently heard about where the hospital staff have access to the gym facilities at the university. They're allowed to park in this parking area where they don't have to pay for parking, right? It's a perk for employment at working with the hospital because we want for them to be healthy yeah. and to have that stress relief and to keep themselves healthy. Go ahead, use the gym. Yeah. No Reparking overnight. All the signs changed. And now the parking costs money.
3: Right.
2: Yeah. See, even Jeff is upset about it.
3: <laughs> That's crazy. The thing
2: is, is that, imagine the outrage, the frustration of this change that all of a sudden happens. You weren't anticipating it. And so now, well, does that include me? And where do I go to park? And how much is it? And can I get a monthly pass? And do I even want to pay for my parking?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Do I take an Uber? Do I take a bus?
2: And so then you end up with The emotional side of the burnout, which comes into the feelings of helplessness, trapped, defeated. You start detaching yourselves from people, feeling alone. You don't return phone calls or emails or regularly come in late. You have a lack of motivation, increased cynicism. That is one of the very key symptoms emotionally is the amount of cynicism Wow. But then, I
1: find for me, it's it has to do with, uh, you know, I know I'm getting up against it when I keep wanting to take naps instead of working. Yeah.
3: That's a big one for me.
1: One of my roommates here, she's just all over today.
2: She's just wanting part of the attention. Yeah, Yeah. So when I started really looking into burnout, I realized that... And some from even my own market research, the people I talked to talked about a loss of motivation where they feel like everything just gets thrown at them, that there's even too many opportunities. they And so they have to sort through and prioritize the lack of money and time. So then you're getting into your financial burnout and that. To be successful, there's this belief I have to sacrifice my priorities, so my family. What do I got to trade off in order to be successful? And the distractions, a lot of sense of feeling like there's getting to be more and more ADHD where I can't stay focused for a long period of time. So most people, though, when I did the research was, that, okay, well, we're just going to meditate more. We're going to breathe. Increase your support system. I want nothing to do with people. And you want me to be reaching out to people to support me? Right? <laughs> Change your diet. Just, yeah, right? <laughs> and so, so, really, what I've come to realize, and it's part of the blueprint, is to help people to connect to purpose. They've lost sight of why am I doing this? Yeah. And what is my purpose in this? As well as also helping them to increase productivity by using and utilizing the subconscious.
0: And when and, I talk
2: about that, there's a tool that I teach about that's called automaticity. Dr. John Bark is the one that has written extensively about what automaticity is. But what automaticity is, Jeff, let me ask you, the last time that you drove your car, did you think about it?
3: No, it's autopilot.
2: Yes, exactly. So how would you like to have it that the things in your life that you want to change or the things that you find that are difficult to do, we could put on autopilot so you're not even thinking about them? You just automatically do it.
3: Hmm.
1: That sounds attractive, Pamela.
2: Yeah. That idea of getting up and doing your push-ups and sit-ups, how about if we turn that on automatic so that you just get up and you do it? Instead of the resistance, and if we could have that with even the things in the workplace, that people resist, and being able to increase their productivity at the same time, but then the last part of the blueprint taught is the aspect of elevating the emotional engagement. The reason why it is that we're in burnout is because of the fact that we're not encouraged to use emotional intelligence in most of our the areas of our life. Yeah,
1: no, we're we're not challenged for sure.
2: No, and especially at work. What are we supposed to do with emotions?
1: We're not supposed to just in a workplace. You're not supposed to be sharing That's with right. coworkers. That's yeah. right.
2: But yeah, where does your creativity come from?
1: Your emotion. Yeah.
2: Emotional part of your mind. brain. So, So we want to encourage that emotional engagement. And so that is part of the pillars of the blueprint. So when you finish off, you then have the ability to adapt, resolve, and emerge through change and things that are unexpected that go against our expectations.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty good stuff.
1: Thank you. So how do we get more, Pamela?
2: Well, I have a gift, actually, for your audience. It is the Simple Toolbox to Build Resilience. And how do I get it to you? Do I put it in the chat or? That'll work. Okay.
1: And we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Okay. So when they go there, they just share some information with you and you they get the Simple Toolbox to Build Resilience?
2: Yeah. Now, in the Toolbox, it's not just one tool you're given the ebook which is the first gift of resilience i'm not going to give tell you what the gift is you have to get the book
3: okay
2: and then and there's also the free masterclass where i go into more detail on burnout and an explanation of the blueprint wonderful and then there's a number of other tools i have about 50 tools in my toolbox
1: nice nice well and those of you who are listening, that's the uh, simple toolbox to build resilience, and we'll have a link for you. But also remember to share this episode and that maybe even that link with somebody you know in healthcare, in corporate management, and those areas where we know there are, you know, maybe your friend who's taking care of their spouse or their family member who is a caregiver. They're just not, it's getting better, but. Up till now, caregivers have been very underserved as a group, because we didn't used to think of them as a group.
2: No. When I was a caregiver, there were no resources. And it was like, it was a labor of love, absolutely. But the thing is, is that there were no resources. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, well, how do I know what to do? How do I know? And the thing is, is that there was very little support, even though there was home care that was coming in. During the day so I could work my job, but the rules were so rigid at first. Well, we can do his laundry, but we can't do yours. Well, who do you think is doing your job when you're not here? Yeah. And so there's no pay. There's no compensation. There's the only compensation is that you will have a much deeper love for that person because you've served them
1: yeah in your work you also help connect people to resources like because there are and i I, I know we have, we're in two different countries but here in the states we have programs for caregivers now where through disability where social security where they can get wages as a caregiver and then of course we also have family and medical leave legislation where People can take time off work and all that kind of stuff. Do you help with some of those kind of resource?
2: Yeah. Thinking about, you know, the other part of it is in the advocacy. Learning how to advocate for that person.
1: Oh, yeah. And you have to be your own caseworker Mm -hmm. a lot of times.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, really. Because you're not paid. You're not trained. And yet you're the one who's making life and death decisions for this person. There was a number of times we'd be in with the doctor and the doctor would prescribe something. And I'd be like, well, what about this? And I would just ask the dumb question.
1: Yeah.
2: Just to get the doctor to stop and think. Or the doctor would write a prescription for something. And then the pharmacist is like, well, I don't know that we can do that. What do you think? And you're just like
3: <laughs> Well yeah, I don't have enough
1: information. Yeah. You know yeah.
2: after my husband passed away he told me I should write to the College of Physicians and Surgeons and get my doctorate. Because yeah. I had the amount of education almost that right. a doctor you got all the had.
1: hours, yeah. Yes. That's crazy. Absolutely. That's crazy. Okay, so also just uh, what is your website?
2: Basically, I use a lot of different landing pages. The best way to get in touch with me is through that Build Resilience. Okay. That toolbox. And one of the things that will, that one of the tools is also a a one-on-one consultation. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wonderful. All right. So we'll see. Let me see if I can put this on the screen for folks who are watching. There is an
2: email to reach out.
1: Yeah, what is uh, an email so that people can reach out if they want more than the toolbox already or they want to book you to speak or something like that. We want to give them a quick and easy way to reach you.
2: Okay, so that is the best email to reach me. Okay, super. Yeah.
1: So then can I share that website? Yes. Okay, so the website, folks, is buildresilience.ca, and if it's still under construction, email Pamela Cowan at buildresilience.ca if the site's still under construction to reach Pamela, because you know you want her to come speak to your group or your convention. And let me see, Charlotte, do you have any, any questions for Pamela before we sign off?
4: No, very interesting, Pamela.
1: So glad you were here to be in our studio audience. Thank you for that.
4: (laughs) I I think you have a real sector, and I suspect you need someone to figure out how to put it into motion. And guess who I'm going to talk about? Jeff.
3: There you go.
1: (laughs) I'll take that. That is what we do here at speakercoop.com, is help people with get out there and get in front of the audiences that they want to be in front of. So,
4: Jeff, can I ask you one question? Do we still have time? Sure. Okay. So I used to do, make a pretty good living out of doing my training. I train people to do their own investing in the stock market in 10 minutes a day and then throw in a half hour somewhere along the day, the week to just tune things up. So I historically have way outperformed most of them mutual fund managers and the financial planners. But there are so many people out there who have paid a lot of money to make really impressive, glitzy, hour-long presentations to enroll people in looking at their work. Some of them, I suspect, haven't been doing it for more than a few months. But, Jeff, my real challenge is how do I distinguish myself out there with among the thousands of people who want to take money to teach you how to invest?
1: Charlotte, I think the main answer is one of the first things we start with, and is to find a niche audience to start with. Pick a group of people, whether retired women or women in business or men le- about to retire or new dads or whatever the case may be, and go after one niche first. Conquer that niche, and then go after another one. And it's you, your yeah, niche, huh? yeah, exactly. It scratch your niche. Because <laughs> part of identifying that niche, like we've been talking with Pamela about, caregivers and that group is they self-identify and put themselves into groups. So find niches that identified themselves and put themselves into groups and hang out together. And that's the kind of work I can help you with. We here at Speaker Co-op can help you do that work and Cause you don't have to stand out to everybody. If you, you know, if you can stand out to to a niche like we're talking about, we're still talking about millions of people, mm-hmm. and you get to become their champion, and then they'll tell more people about you, and then you go after another group.
2: I kind of shied away from really just focus on burnout. I'm Like, are you kidding? How many people have burnout? But really, when I started looking at it, it's like all kinds of people suffer from burnout we have in the past and i'm coming across more and more people that i'm calling serial burnouts
3: yeah it makes sense
2: absolutely yeah. and who's the biggest serial burnout of all
3: i'm gonna say
1: doctors or you yourself
2: <laughs> me, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah because i had four yeah, find
1: children. find your niche right
2: and yeah. i was also running five businesses As well. While having these children. Okay. (laughs) I did not want for the phone to ring. Because every time the phone rang. It was something else for me to do. But did I learn a lesson? No. I Then my husband got sick. And I had a job. That was very demanding. For during that same time. Of where we had like. 110,000 clients. And 14,000 employees. We were one of the the fourth largest employer in that sector in Canada. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And then when my husband passed away, did I slow down and take a rest? And no, I started working in the financial industry. And so. Oh,
3: wow. Well, yes, ma'am. I've got
4: one more question that popped up when, when you had Get a moment. Sure. You have an answer for her, it sounded like. Go
3: ahead.
4: Okay. Okay. There are so many financial advisors out there now that it's almost impossible to talk to a group that doesn't have one out of five, of it seems, as financial advisors. So I'm stepping on a lot of toes. I've got people who are just going to say she does it wrong and discount me. How do I handle that question of every group I talk to has already has financial advisors?
1: You create a topic that's agnostic As far as that, as far as financial advisors, in other words, you present a topic that does not number one, threaten them or make people defend them to you because you're presenting something that that you help with that does not interfere with them selling life insurance
3: or selling whatever it is they're selling. What you sell is a bonus. It's not a competitor. Interesting. Thank you. You're welcome.
4: That's the perfect way to look at it.
3: And that's the way
1: you'll be able to get into those groups. Because like you said, every rotary, every networking group has financial people. You need to be able to go in and not be competing with them. You need to be able to go in and and actually part of your talk is if you haven't hired one of these people, you need to hire them. And then I can teach you this other stuff that will make you a better customer for them, whatever the case may be. Thank you. You're welcome. And I'll just around for a few minutes as we wrap up. Mm. Pamela, any final words for our audience on resilience?
2: Yes. That is that really if I were to sum up resilience in one word, it's the word rest. Because rest breaks down to R, which stands for replenish meaning to multiply and replenish. There is no word in the dictionary that says, is just plain plenish, which means that you already have everything that you need. You just need to restock it and keep yourself replenished. The E stands for emotional need and to acknowledge and meet or emotional need. The ask for silence. The world that we live in is a very noisy place. Yep. And our brain needs the time to to have that silence. When there's too much happening, it's harder for the brain to take it all in and absorb it all, especially being that you have to understand the brain is dealing with six degrees of time. Mm. Not three, like what we understand, Yeah. because there's the past, the present, the future. And then there's the hidden past, the hidden future, and the hidden present. The stuff that we don't see, that your brain is already trying to absorb and take in and process. So, So I'm almost challenging you to reconsider the idea of even a 15-minute break maybe it's more in the aspect of instead of just taking that 15 minute break how about you find something that puts you into flow something nice. that you enjoy doing something that causes you to lose all aspect of time and place where you just feel at peace and at one with that with that activity t is for true and true To your purpose, there are two best days of your life, the day you were born and the day that you realize and can stand true in your purpose. And that's what I hope I get the opportunity to do is to help you to find what that purpose is. And I have a very scientific deep dive on finding out what that is.
1: That's wonderful, Pamela. Thank you so much. Wise words from Pamela Cowan. Thank you very much for being here. We had our guest, Charlotte Hudgen, in the, the live studio audience. Thank you for being here, Charlotte. That is this episode of Behind the Lectern. So we hope that you all will pass this on to the people who need to hear it and share with us and join us for the next episode after this one. Jeff Klein signing off for Behind the Lectern.
0: If you're in the top 25% of the fastest times...
4: Wow, what a great speaker. Where did you find him? You know, I used to have trouble finding speakers. Then, someone told me about SpeakerCoop.com. SpeakerCoop.com? What's that? It's a website full of speakers who speak to groups like ours. How did you decide which speaker to choose? The website lets you search for speaker by topic. You can even type one search word in and find all the speakers who have that word in their topic. Then you can read the speaker's bio to see if they're a fit for your group. That sounds great. Yes, I'm using speakercoop.com to find all the speakers for our group this year.
3: I've got to find
4: a speaker for our luncheon next month. This will make it easy. I'm going to go to speakercoop.com. and over and over again.
0: Thanks for joining us on Behind the Lecture you can find an archive of our episodes at BehindTheLecturn.com. You can also access useful speaking information at speakercoop.com forward slash education. Join us next time for another great speaker journey with an expert and our host, Jeff Klein. We'll catch you next time.